0: Welcome to the MarTech
1: Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to discuss the importance and usage of video marketing. Joining us is Chris Savage, who is the CEO of Wistia, which makes marketing software video series and educational content based on the belief that anyone can use video to grow their business and brand. And in addition to providing us with our guest today, Wistia is also a generous sponsor of the MarTech Podcast. And today, Chris and I are going to talk about making video content more accessible. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Chris Savage, the CEO of Wistia. Chris, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Excited to talk to you. You know, we've had a handful of marketers from the Wistia team on our podcast over the year, and I feel like we've finally made it to the top. We finally get to talk to the man in charge it's exciting to have you as a guest on our show. I'm excited
2: to be here. Look, there's so much stuff to talk about. There's so much stuff changing for marketers today. There's so much stuff changing with video. So it's a great time to be here and chat with you about it.
1: Chris, I'm excited to talk to you a little bit about video marketing. And here's my take and what I've said to everybody. So prove me wrong. Mm -hmm. Audio is better because audio is cheap to produce and you can get wide distribution. And I feel like 90% of The marketing world disagrees with me. In fairness, I am a podcaster, so I'm kind of addicted to audio. But talk to me about how you can make video content more accessible, easier for marketers. Talk to me a little bit about what you do. So first of all, I'm going to disagree with you that audio is better. That was inevitable.
2: What I'm going to say is that I think the shift we've seen and COVID has accelerated this and working from home has accelerated this is actually just like the audience is in control in terms of which ways they want to consume content. And some people really want a lot of audio, like they want to listen to things while they're working out or commuting or doing other things. Some people want to lean back and watch more. And a lot of people still just want to scan stuff. So when I think about like what we need to give our audiences, the question is like, what channel are we going after? What mediums are allowed there and do people engage with there? And then how do we try to balance our efforts across the different media?
1: You're a sponsor of the podcast, so I'm contractually obligated to say you're right. <laughs> Kidding aside, I do agree with you. There's a time and a place for each medium. So I guess where I say audio is better, it's from the content creator's perspective. For me personally, I didn't want to be on video all of the time. Sometimes I don't feel like brushing my teeth. They're combing my hair. And I always make the crack, you know, face for radio, but I always wanted to be able to produce content at scale. And when you're thinking about a marketing channel, often it is about consistency. So what are you seeing that not only makes B2B content accessible for the end consumer? Hey, I want to lean back. I want to watch something entertaining, but also making it accessible for the marketers. How can we figure out how to make video something we can all produce? I think you're right on.
2: The beauty of audio is that you can hide edits. You don't have to worry about what you look like. You don't have to worry about like, what your background is or what your lighting is and all that kind of stuff. And that is a fantastic way to get started and a fantastic way to do something consistently, like make a podcast. I think one thing that I've seen, and this seems to me like accelerated by remote work and the fact that people are treating podcasts differently is like, we're just seeing a lot more content of people literally releasing the Zoom footage. Or we're using Squadcast today, but using releasing the footage that's a byproduct of the recording and giving it to folks so that in case you're covering something in the podcast that would be aided by a visual, you can actually like put it in. Or if you just want to see people's faces to have like more of a connection, you can do that. And then the other thing I've seen is that a lot of podcasts they can maintain their audience with audio but the way that you can grow them is with video partially because a lot of the social media channels are so video centric right like that's one of the big changes of the last few years is that the main currency across all social channels is video and so what I say for people getting started is look at what you're already producing so in the podcast example you're you figure out how to make a podcast that's amazing Can you take key clips from that podcast and release it as samples as ways to get people to pay attention and to pull them in from the other channels? And I think that's kind of like the podcast example. But there are so many examples we see every day of folks who end up figuring out, Oh, wait, if I just record myself and my screen doing this presentation, I can make a product video, or I can make a down and dirty, easy launch video. And the goal is not to replace every launch video that you're ever going to make by doing it yourself and doing it at home, like showing your bedroom or something. But the playing field has changed so much because of COVID that everyone's kind of been reset around like, what is the most authentic thing? And that's given permission for all of us, I think, to use video in ways that we couldn't use it before.
1: So the old tired argument of video isn't great because... And video is great. I don't actually think that, but big files, expensive to edit time-consuming, lots of gear to set up, lots of variables to be able to create a high quality polished piece of content, lighting. You still have to do sound. You gotta make sure you've got talent. You gotta make sure you're getting it at the right time of the day. You gotta be in the same place. And that's the old standard. And, and now what we're seeing is, no, actually you can record a Zoom. We can do Squadcast. I can press record the video right now. We actually might accidentally in recording the video. I don't think we are, but I've made that mistake on Squadcast before. But that means that the fidelity is changing. So do people actually want to see two dudes sitting around talking in front of microphones? There's not a lot of visual interest to me there. So why is that compelling? So I would give you two podcasts. These are not B2B
2: podcasts, to be clear. But I'll give you two examples that I think are doing this really well. One is this podcast called Take Your Shoes Off with Rick Glassman. And Rick is a comedian. He's ridiculous. He's hilarious. He's hilarious you can listen to his podcast the audio version and it's a couple of comedians chatting or you can watch the video version which is on youtube and he is like a awkward funny guy and he is like moving around his space with the guest as he's recording and so if the view numbers which you can see on there are any indication you know we have he has tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of people watching these episodes and i think part of the reason they're doing it on youtube is actually also in that case You could watch the background. So you could listen, or you can pop it up and you can watch the thing. Spotify has the same functionality. Actually, even Apple Podcasts does. You can send a video into the RSS and by default you listen and then you can pull it up and see it. And we're seeing a lot of people engaging in these ways. And I think part of the reason is that you're sitting there at your desk and you're working and you're listening to it in the background. And then you want to pop over and see someone. In a remote working world, that's something that's like more acceptable and like more about like keeping you company and entertained or learning or whatever while you're doing other things in a way that didn't make as much sense when people are in the office. Another example I'll give you is the All In podcast.
1: Got All In podcast. Which one's that? I've heard of that. That's with Jason Calacanis and
2: Chamath Palihapitiya and David Sachs, David Friedberg. Right. And that's an interesting one where there's four people basically arguing with each other about what's going on in tech and the world on a weekly basis. So seeing it is compelling, as is listening to it. And I feel like it's just a choice. And their footage often looks terrible. Most of them are like billionaires. They should have perfect setups. <laughs> But often their stuff looks terrible, but it's compelling to see the people chatting. Like we connect with human beings. We like to see... I always think about why still there's morning shows every day on TV that still do well. And it's like, you like to wake up and see the same human beings and feel like you have a connection to them.
1: Yeah, because Savannah Guthrie is comforting on some level. Exactly, And I
2: think that that's what people can use video for today. And the expectations have shifted that it doesn't turn someone off to see that in a way that it did before. The truth is the quality of the production has gotten so much better and cheaper every year that it's changing from what it used to be of like, you have to have talent, you have to have lights, you have to have a microphone too. I think it's probably going to end up being like, you need a microphone to get good quality sound. And then you'll use your phone with the continuity camera thing that's coming out from Apple later this year. And if you have a microphone and you have your phone, you probably will be able to shoot something that looks incredible and sounds amazing yourself.
1: I mean, that's my recording setup. I'm using my iPhone as my camera just to have high quality video for my Zoom conferences, my Squadcast.
2: Are you using camo? What are you using?
1: Yeah, I'm using camo to basically convert my phone to be a connected camera. And it looks great. It looks incredible. It looks amazing. I mean, they can't see it right now, but you look amazing. Well, you're a sponsor. I did my hair for this podcast. <laughs> and the piece of artwork behind you, my wife made. This is actually a real tree, but nobody can see this because it's a podcast. So I understand the idea that, okay, people find it comforting to be able to watch the same people. It helps you build a relationship and the podcast players are starting to move to be hybrid audio or audio and video. But you know, when I'm thinking about video, primarily my head goes to, well, YouTube. That's where people are sitting and passively creating this type of user-generated video content. And when I'm watching YouTube, I'm sitting there watching videos that maybe there's some product demos if we're talking about marketing and content marketing. It's a walkthrough, it's a how-to. But most of the time I'm sitting around watching like, I'm growing grapevines at my house. I want to go see how somebody applies the horticultural oil because I want to make sure that I'm pouring the right amount in or getting the right coverage, and I actually need to see it. When I'm sitting around talking, nobody has to see me talking to understand what I'm saying. So talk to me about when we're thinking about the primary use case for video, right? It's not taking the audio and then adding a face to it, but when most people are consuming video... In a way that's meant to be educational, how do you create those videos where the actual visual part of it creates incremental value as opposed to just being a supplement for what a couple of people are sitting around a conference table talking about?
2: I think it comes down to if you would have an easier time explaining something to somebody in person than you would over the phone, whatever that thing is, usually that is what makes sense on video versus what makes sense on audio. So an example to stay on the horticulture example, someone can try to talk you through over the phone, like what it should look like when you are applying the fertilizer and how much you should do and all that stuff. And they might do an okay job, but watching someone actually doing it, educating someone in that way is night and day in terms of the learning. And so it works really well on video. So we see in the marketing in the B2B world is like explaining in detail, like, let's go to the opposite niche. So we have the horticulture niche. Now let's go to like, you're building a B2B tech stack. You're trying to get all the data flowing through it properly. You want to make sure that you're figuring out which people who are signing up are like the most interested leads you have. That's kind of complicated. Everyone can read the documentation, put it together themselves. But someone walking you through that on their screen, step by step, exactly what they're doing, when they're using their tools themselves, when they're using something like Zapier, all these different things, you're going to get there a lot faster. And our expectation is basically on every topic we can learn, there's probably somebody who's trying to explain it already in video. And what you're talking about is exactly how people use YouTube. And also what people are starting to do with TikTok and Reels as well, then it seems like there's a generational change in terms of the default of where people are going to when they're looking for that educational content. But the other thing I would say is just when the trust really matters, like if it's a really complicated thing, or you're dealing with a complicated topic, if someone can build a relationship with a person or a brand that they really trust, they will pick that person or brand over and over instead of always looking for a different person explaining horticulture. Like, probably you find someone you like, you connect with them, the way that they communicate, what they talk about, then you keep watching their stuff. That same exact thing is true in B2B. I think we forget that everyone is like, you're trying to grow your trees, or you're trying to grow your grapevines, people are trying to grow careers. How do you help them do that? And how do you do that well with content?
1: So talk to me about some of the applications that are useful in producing this content. You know, I think of... A video product that's got a lot of traction over the last few years, Loom. There's kind of the Loomification of screen grabbing where I know Wistia has a competitive product as well, Soapbox, Mm -hmm. where you're able to record a video that is walking through a browser-based session and you can do education and then that's useful for creating some product demos. You know, when I think of that usage of video, okay, great. I want to show you what I'm looking at and walk you through how to do something. To me, that creates compelling content for marketers. There is a useful application in terms of education. There is the three people sitting around a conference table gabbing about something, and now you could see our faces and see what the emotion is. And that is more Zoom, Squadcast, a handful of other tools where you can record that. What are some of the other pieces of functionality and parts of the tech stack when you think about making video more accessible?
2: it starts from what you're saying like the one to one one to few content where you can make it yourself you can use something like loom you can use something like soapbox you can use quicktime you're explaining something to a small group and by walking them through it in detail but the fact that it was so quick to create allows makes it worthwhile to make the content we see a huge amount of people then as you you know you go from the one to few we see like a huge amount of people making webinars and going deeper on topics saying like, Hey, if you want to sign up for this thing, it's obviously one of the most common marketing activities, and spend an hour with us, we're going to go deep, and we're going to teach you, and we're going to educate you. And we see those shifting from being predominantly the screen to having much more an emphasis on the people and an explanation, and those becoming more video centric. We see a lot of folks who then say they start to see that stuff working. And they start asking themselves questions like, All right, well, we have all of the stuff we're trying to explain our documentation and in our product and our onboarding. How can we take the things that our CSMs and our sales reps are doing in demos and put that into content that shows up in the customer journey, in the product itself, in onboarding, in documentation? And then it works its way up to as you get more comfortable with all of these things and there's just more of a fluency with video. If you haven't been doing it yet, you start taking the most polished versions of these things and making the customer testimonials and the product overviews and the launch videos and eventually get to branded content where instead of just advertising on someone else's content, you start making your own. So I think all of this is a byproduct of the cost of the video production coming down and the ease of use of video going up it's opening up all these other opportunities that basically didn't exist before. But back to being in a world where the expectations have shifted around the audience is in control and they want to pick, you're missing an opportunity wherever you're not letting them pick that option to watch or read or listen.
1: For me, there's two competing factors when it comes to video. You mentioned the cost of video is coming down, the production value is going up, people are more accepting. There's sort of just an ease of creating video that is above the minimum threshold that your potential customers would expect. And that's great. On the flip side, I've got two young kids two and five years old. And so my level of consistency with sleep is (laughs) let's call it inconsistent as best. And so I'm not hopping on a video every day until I'm able to sleep through the night consistency because I don't want everybody seeing the bags under my eyes. We're going to stick with a podcast at least for another year until little Elliot Shapiro figures out how to make it through the night seven days a week. And that wraps up this episode of the Martech podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Chris Savage, the CEO of Wistia. Join us again tomorrow when Chris and I continue the conversation talking about human-centric B2B content that resonates. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Chris, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is csavage, that's C-S-A-V-A-G-E, or you can visit his company's website, which is wistia.com, W-I-S-T-I-A.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, Head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is ben J. Shapp, benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P.